Hello, this is Kalita. This is Sandy. And this is Mykeisha. And our research question is on social media, social justice movements in the age of technology. Our question is as follows. Almost all social justice movements use digital tech to engage the public and advance their movement. How does data collection by major companies and by extension the government and the white supremacist, ableist, heteropatriarchy undermine the work that these movements are doing? So the first article that we read was by the Ford Foundation website, Equals Change blog, by Wilnita Negron on just January 12, 2017. So, who wants to who wants to summarize the source? Sandy. Sure. Um, so the article basically spoke about um, ten issues, or what the title says. So ten issues that have and will impact or in today's society that continues to impact so, um, social justice movements. Um, it looks at um notions of like trolling fake news um and how all these um, how all these like concepts impact the ways in which um we're surveilled mm-hmm. we're surveilled oh my gosh um by society and like the impact that surveillance is having like on society on marginalized communities um and just the general public yeah um so are we going to use the source anybody yeah yeah i think we are yeah because it it um like from from our reading like it really touched on a lot of the issues that our question was discussing. So um, it really gave a list of the different ways that data privacy and surveillance were impacting social justice communities currently. And um, yeah, that was that was really relevant to what our topic was about. Um, so the first question that we needed to discuss was, does the author clearly express their ideas with logic and reasoning? Um, I would say yes, they do. Um, in the way, like the the article is just very straightforward to read. Mm-hmm. Um, the list of points that they gave. So, for example, um, the first point was an impact that um, tech issues have on social justice movement is an increase in digital hate crimes, um, and harassment and harassment and discrimination. So, in doing this, um, the authors like stating the impact that um, digital, like, the digital footprints of, like, social justice movement is having because, like, though... How do I put this? So, though um, social justice movements being online, it creates a wider awareness for um, people to get involved and for people to participate. Mm -hmm. It also hinders the movement for people that are... um, like, say, for instance, um, for example, the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, exactly. So people that are anti-Black or anti-like Black Lives Matter, um, it, like... Basic, no, it's okay. Basically, it, like, it, it, um, it perpetuated the idea that these people were terrorists, that they were, um, mm-hmm. like, going against, like, what, like, a democracy and... Mm-hmm. Um, 
like free speech and all those things. So I think that, that like it really broke down in a significant way, the ways in which, and like a simple way as well, the ways in which that um, digital tech and fake news and stuff like that was really being used to attack, attack social justice movements. Um, does the author use effective uh-huh. word choice? Does the author use accessible language or biased language and jargon? So, so for that, we, it's like, it was very, very clear. Like the use of language was very clear and it was, um, it's very concise, which is what we all, I think, liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and the jargon wasn't biased at all. It was very like, like there was no like pejorative language. There was no like attacking the far right. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it wasn't, there was no attacking the conservative sort of people in the land. It was just like, this is what it is. This is why it's important to like consider these things. And it went on from there. Um, so does the author support their points with credible and relative relevant evidence? I'll say that, like, yes, they do, but, like, um, so, like, further down in the article, it does get, like, a little bit repetitive. Mm-hmm. So, like, the evidence that they use um, does, like, become re- um, repetitive at some point. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, um, like, point five. So, governmental databases put in pressure on, like, minority groups. Um, so it talks about how technology was being y- used to withhold um, the white um, withhold, to hold up um, white supremacy um, by monitoring um, marginalized groups and mar- marginalized communities and like way how these communities with them having a digital f- footprint it um, like their digital footprint provides a greater um, extent of surveillance and another um, analysis of like them being targeted um and then it also mentions that like further down when it talks about um what development and in and in like in question not question but in point 10 mm-hmm. when it talks when it speaks about development in in open government and transparency transparency um, affecting like advocacy work. So it also talks about um, how the impact that surveillance has on minor- minority groups again and like how um, technology is like the new way of targeting um, these mm-hmm. groups and their new way of like surveilling them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so does the author appeal to your emotions with appropriate storytelling and description? I would say yes, because, um, like, it was very straightforward. There was really no story. It was just, these are the facts of the thing, and this is the information you need. Mm -hmm. And, like, data privacy is important. Very important. Like, this is something that, like, affects, like, everyone. I mean, everyone that does have, like, a social media or, like, like, like with banking information, with like, um, like security numbers and all those things, like it, it's a, it's a big deal. So, um, yeah, like the author's tone 
Yeah. yeah. So the author's tone, like the attitude, um, everything was pretty detailed. Um, it wasn't like offensive or it wasn't like too like strongly opinionated. It was very settled. So that's that's pretty good. And does the author incorporate or acknowledge multiple perspectives? No, um, it basically, like, the only perspective that's acknowledged is the perspective that the author is trying to prove and trying to illustrate of, like, the different ways in which um, data surveillance um, impacts social justice movements. So it just, it was very straightforward and stated, like, um, that, this is like a how it affects it and like this is an example of how it affects it and so so how what are the ways in which the 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 article deepened your understanding of the topic that is at the heart of the research question and just to Remind everybody what the research question is. How does data collection by major companies and by extension the government and the white supremacist, ableist, heteropatriarchy undermine the work that these movements are doing? Um, it has deepened my understanding in the sense that like I got more examples and more clarity of like and specifics of how um that like our of how our digital footprint is being uh, monitored surveilled analyzed and then used against us mm-hmm. um whether it be like in the form of like because these um, these uh, what companies that are monitoring our data they're run by like rich and powerful um, men or women. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of just showing like, I feel like it's a new way of illustrating how the rich is like, how the fuck do I say this? <laughs> it's okay. It's, okay. Um, it's a new way of showing or illustrating how um our system within like the patriarchy or as a result of the patriarchy is built to keep marginalized people at a certain level of success or experience or control while the rich and powerful continues to advance and continues to succeed and evolve and um, basically manipulate society in the way in a way in ways that works for them regardless of like the attempts and the tries of like other people okay what about you Makisha? um yeah agreeing with uh, what sandy had just said um uh to me it just feels like like it just feels like like you're being watched like constantly all the time even when you think you're not so mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like like whatever you think that you have is like private like it's not actually private like and whatnot so it um yeah it just it just feels to me it just feels wrong mm-hmm. um i i believe like 
everyone should have like an opportunity to like like if you really want to succeed in something to like try and like get up there but due to like how the society is running by like white men of course um like it's it's kind of tough and then it just it kind of makes me feel like okay so like like if i wanted to be up there like how how am i gonna like do that if like there's so many like like obstacles and like mm-hmm. like things in the way like like why stop like someone else because of like what because of like what they look like and stuff like that mm-hmm. so that's that's how i'm feeling about this like article and for me um it really undermine underpins like the idea that capitalism is a really big component to all of the things that were like all of the isms and the the ways in which power works because the number one reason this is occurring is because data is so is so it's worth so much at this point so like um if they can monetize it then they're going to do it and if they can monetize it and attack the like attack the groups that are working towards social change that's even a bigger benefit to keep them in power all right so the next article we're going to be talking about is towards data justice it was on a journal on sage pub by Denick Hints and Cable. It was published November 24th, 2016. Um, so basically the article was talking about the Snowden leaks and it was because it was written in 2016, um, the information about, like it was right at the time of the 2016 elections in the United States. And so that played an important part um, it discussed like how the Snowden leaks uh, were not a surprise. Like the information from the Snowden leaks was not a surprise to social justice movements because they had already like been made or like they already knew they were being surveilled. And I think that's part of being part of a marginalized community is like the understanding that you're always under surveillance. And um, if you're working for social change, that means that you're always under surveillance. Um, it also talks about how the government and police were infiltrating um, social justice movements by by using so, uh, social media, um, and yeah, it also talked about like moving towards like what data justice could look like. Um, so. How are social location influence the understanding and interpretation of the source? So like as we're three black women um, or black femmes and uh, that and that specifically means that, and I don't want to speak for anybody else, but like that specifically means at least for me that um, as part of, as someone who was part, uh, who protested with Black Lives Matter, um, it, it really made an impact because like the idea that the police were using the information on social media to infiltrate um, social justice movements is terrifying. It also means that like the idea that if I go to one of these things, if I post anything on the internet, not only can I 
be attacked by just random people on the internet, but I also like I'm at risk of making myself vulnerable to the police. So that was really scary for me. Um, but yeah, anybody else? Y'all good? Okay, cool. Um, will we discuss, will we use this information in our argumentative, argumentative essay? Yeah. Um, I feel like just in the way that it speaks about um, the impact, they're like, as you mentioned, like before, like this article is released right around like the time of the 2016 elections. Um, so like just in the way that it speaks about the impact of um, social justice, the impact of surveillance on like such social justice movements and on like the political, especially like within like the political um, realm and how um, our like, our social medias especially um, mm -hmm. and our digital footprint like in that um, sense is being targeted and used to either sway people's opinions on what political party to vote for or to monitor people's um, political opinions so that they can um, use that for their advantage mm -hmm. depending on like the political um, perspective that they take. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's something that's really important and something that's just been shown like, throughout the article. Mm -hmm. um, when it talks about the idea of governments increasing based on the based on the ability to monitor, monitor, track, and potentially predict the behaviors of like our entire population. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to say that. How did you feel about the language used in the article? Some of it was kind of like hard to understand. Mm -hmm. um, I agree. But for like the most part, like it was like pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. um, I like the layout of it in the text that like it gave you like the introduction. Um, mm -hmm. And then it told you like what the article was going to be like speaking about and like the structure that it was willing, it was going to be taken. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, and then it not only told you what it goes beyond telling you like the impacts, but then it also tells you like ways in which you can resist, mm -hmm. um, acts of surveillance and acts of being monitored and being like a target by these um, companies and by the government that are like monitoring and surveilling all the time. So, mm -hmm. yeah, this article is also like super lengthy. Um, but it's very, there's like a lot of information to obtain from it. Um, does the author incorporate or acknowledge multiple, persp multiple perspectives? And I think the answer to this one is yes. Mm -hmm. Like at the very beginning, it talked about how, um, let's see my notes. <laughs> um, it talked about, it made the argument for why data surveillance can be useful to ward off potential threats. Um, however, the extent of surveillance that they were saying has been noted to be a problem with data privacy and surveillance. Um, also, the idea of threat and who is a potential threat to the government, they, they were mentioning that even though that was a good thing for like 
if two countries are at war and da 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 da. But at the same time, the people that are being targeted as threats are citizens, are people that are trying to promote social change, and so that is pro- that is a problem with it. Um, yeah. So. Did it deepen the understanding of our topic? Uh, I'd say yes, like 100%. Because our topic, like even though our topic is speaking about the ways in which um, it hinders social justice movement and like it's problematic within like society because like um, privacy is a freedom that like we all should have. Mm. And then, like, the notion that, like, we no longer have our freedom and, like, this whole idea of, like, big brothers, like, this whole, like, surveillance, Mm. um, this whole, like, notion of being, like, surveilled. And then, like, at some point, I kind of talked about um, how it deepened my understanding. um, Specifically, it spoke about um, um. the fact that government is increasing surveillance, it kind of brought up the idea of like the panopticon model, mm-hmm. um, the, that prism model of the guard being like in the center and like the prison being built around it. Mm-hmm. So as a society, like wherever we go through street cameras, through um, bank cameras, like mm-hmm. cameras just placed throughout society, our digital footprint, our banking information, all the things that we do, um, how the notion of like, or the knowledge that we're constantly being severe, how that promotes uh, an emotion of fear. Mm-hmm. And um, as like as a result of that fear, it it will become less likely that people will want to commit like criminal or illegal activities because of like the fear of punishment and the fear of what will come after. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, just basically like it even my understanding and seeing how um, notions of surveillance um, just further promotes control. And like, um, yeah, governmental control and systematic control. Um, so for our last piece, we watched a documentary called The Great Hack. It was directed by Kareem Amir and Jahane Nujame, and it's distributed by Netflix, and it was made on January 20, or is released on January 26, 2019. So in sum, in summary, um, basically it was talking about how the 2016 elections in the United States and Brexit um, were all sort of like the campaign to like, like the campaigns were, uh, were rigged basically. And uh, by a company called Cambridge Analytica Um, and Cambridge Analytica is this big psycho, I forget the term that they use, but it's like a psychotechnology kind of company where they use psychology and uh, digital technology to like target uh, people that they call the persuadables, which are people that they, um, they, that were sitting on the fence and hadn't made up their mind about certain political topics and then they targeted them through the use of propaganda and ads and all these other things to 
persuade them to vote for the people that they needed them to, that were paying, that they were getting paid to vote for. Um, so my social location, um, again, like all the other resources that we interacted with, I feel like as a black femme person who's also queer and involved in social activist movements, um, it really, really hit home for me in a lot of ways. Um, I'm also going to do a time check with us right now. Sorry. Mm -hmm. We're at 24 minutes. So, (laughs) yeah, so we're over our time, but that's okay. Um, And I think it's a consensus that we'll definitely use this resource because it was a fantastic resource. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So how did everybody feel about the documentary? Um... I really liked it. It was kind of like mind blowing um, to actually see or like to actually watch that this is like this is something that happened and like it's like yeah we're in Canada but like the U.S. is right there mm-hmm. and like if this is happening like in the U.S. and in like um, in England right yeah the U.K. Um, like this is definitely something that can impact us here in Canada and like we recently just had like our 2019 um, federal election Mm -hmm. so it's like could it like possibly have played like a role in Mm -hmm. that and like Mm -hmm. anyhow (laughs) no 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 no. I was gonna jump off of that point for like two seconds because they did a test like they were Essentially, they went around to like Ghana and Kenya and Trinidad and Tobago, and they did like a bunch of tests in different places to see if this program could, like, the way that they were targeting people could work. And once they perfected it, they were like, let's take it to like a like a bigger international scale and and like have it. Yeah, yeah, and have it like target the U.S. population, and the U.S. is like a major superpower. So like that's that was their goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, it was actually just, like, for me, another thing that, like, was, like, I was taken back by it mm-hmm. was by, um, Brittany, Brittany Kaiser, mm-hmm. Kaiser, mm-hmm. um, she's known as, like, one of the major whistleblowers because she worked for Cambridge Analytica and she had, like, um, all, like, the resources of, like, meetings and, um, documentations mm-hmm. and, like, just emails of like just facts saying like how everything was done and what was conducted and like how it was conducted Mm -hmm. and how like the whole system was basically like they inferred on the human rights of over 50 billion people Mm -hmm. on the people that they were actually like looking at and it was like okay for the people that are actually doing this you're sitting there and you know that you're knowingly doing something like this and Mm -hmm. it's like like, it doesn't like occur mm-hmm. and like that was something that in like what she said that would like really stood out to me she was like yeah like I know what I, I knew what I was doing mm-hmm. um but I guess like until someone pointed it out that it was wrong or until she got called on it or mm-hmm. they got the company Cambridge Analytica got called on it it wasn't until then that she and what was the other guy's name uh, Christopher Chris, Chris Wiley yes Christopher Wiley um it wasn't until then that they were willing to speak out about it and say, like, okay, yes, like, this is wrong, and I'm sorry, but, like, are you really sorry if you yeah. were, like, if you helped to, like, build it, if you helped to promote it, if you mm-hmm. did the works in order to get 
most idiotic president or the most him yeah elected mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah so i think it definitely deepened our understanding and i we are we are running out of time so we're gonna yeah yeah it's uh, we have 30 minutes to record so we're, we're at 28 minutes so we're all good we're all good mm-hmm. we're good we good all right wonderful thank you for listening to our podcast we are um ready and excited to write our essay yeah.